0: Okay, so a couple of things. Uh, When is Children of the Web coming out? I am in
1: the very... I I already gave it to my beta readers, and I got it back with their things, and I'm I'm just going through it one more time, and I'm about one ninety out of 290 pages through my final review. So after that final review, I give it all to the publisher, and I already have the new art ready to go. I have everything ready to go. So
0: um, those things take a little bit of time, but probably in, inside of two months, hopefully.
1: Oh, so like right now. Cause it, the, yeah, yeah, it's it
0: happening. In sort of reviewing everything, it looked to me like Fanboy sort of bypassed Children of the Web at some level in order to get made.
1: Yeah, totally. I was pretty much I had a good idea of what I wanted to do with the third book Children of the Web and then and then I talked those guys into doing Fanboy and I had no idea how much work that was going to be. So I tried to get back to working on the book a couple times during the production, but it just so the production of Fanboy was so all-encompassing that it was really difficult to to give the time that I needed to the book. Uh, it, so basically at the end when I gave the movie away for the final audio treatment and the coloring, color correction to uh, Rafter and Grant respectively, right.
0: then I, uh, that's when I got back into the book and then, then I started grinding really hard on, on getting that book done. So are there a lot, I mean, is there a, a, a meetup somewhere in town of uh, real authors in San Diego? Is there an ecosystem? If there, if there is, I'm not part of that. Right. No, no. I mean, I'm not completely blind to a lot of this. My wife works at Warwick's, right? Okay. And, and so she, um, so she does uh, quote-unquote local author uh, uh, readings all the time, but they are different than this. This right. you you, I, you know. Take this as you will. I, I hope it comes off as a compliment, but this does not have any of the makings of a vanity project, you know. Whereas ninety percent of the the books that go through that process at Warwick's are, you know, like that was the one thing they were going to do, you know.
1: Right, like vanity project project outside of uh, an autobiography.
0: You mean? Yeah. No, it's just you know, uh, James Dolan, the owner of. Uh, Madison Square Garden putting a band together and doing a record, that's a vanity project.
1: Okay, okay, okay I got it. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it, it was, yeah, I, the book came about because, yeah, I mean, I'd always wanted to write books. And then at some point long ago, seven, eight years ago, nine years ago, I was told by a doctor that I couldn't have kids. My wife and I were trying to have kids told by a doctor that I couldn't have kids, so I was like, well, I better throw myself wholehearted into this book thing, and then I finished the first book, and then we got a second opinion, and the other doctor was like, oh, you can't have kids, so you, so I was like, oh, well, glad I got that book out of the way yeah. so I mean, I just, they, but they were all ideas that I wanted to, I, I have been thinking about for a long time, you know, and then, you know, the kind of the shamanic thing, and the punk rock thing, and the, you know, the, the weird, different little Little uh, uh, tidbits, and I just kind of started putting them all together, and you know, people liked the first book, and then just kept grinding on it. Right. So yeah, I mean, I mean, it is a vanity project
0: in the sense that I really always wanted to put a put a book out. Uh, I don't know. We we could argue about that forever. <laughs> just you know, those that's that's the the first thing that you notice is, uh, you know, this has a lot more to do with a drives like Jehu Record than those ladies at Warwick's. You know, so that is just, you know, has its own thing. And in fact, you know, I'll get into it more later, but I definitely, what we do is San Diego Independent Venue Association is a very Johnny-come-lately organization, but it's meant to sort of mop up the local aspect of what I've been working on for the better part of a year, trying to help venues. And the venues are... Um, national and so i was part of the national thing since day one back in march and then as it you know then i got involved with the state one and then we decided we had better sort of uh backfill and get it, the san diego guys involved and you know it's not like tim and cory and those guys weren't involved at the outset but they it, we've all had to sort of be very patient and adopt a wait and see but we've all stuck together and now we're kind of getting somewhere and we've got some legislation in place but we also meet regularly and we're a year in on this stuff. And so, the, you know, the statewide meeting is about 30 or so people that's sort of an action committee. It's not all, that would be 300 people, but it's just the people who are doing most of the work on this. And I, that group, I'm like, hey, I went and saw this movie. And I'm telling you guys, it's about you personally. So you should figure out a way to get a viewing somehow for your part because you know, every you know, Bay Area should see this thing, you know. And I got some response like the the people who promote in Palm Springs, like they asked for links and asked for stuff and just, you know, and I you know, definitely layered on the, the uh Casbah name dropping stuff and all of that and but just you know, I just thought all those guys, all three hundred clubs in California, they would all see themselves in in what happened with Fanboy. Totally. You know and that's great. Yeah, you know, con- yeah. I, I would, you know, as that stuff comes up, I'll wind up. not I just got your email today, but I would definitely, um, uh, you know, do some introductory emails as they came by. But where I was going with that is, you know, there's not like a, an ecosystem of authors, but I think at a, a level, like I saw Eric Howarth as a credit on your movie and uh you know i went and saw like gary husband movies and and stuff like that like there is a decent ecosystem of people who've made films that have come out of this market you know i, I don't know if you're in contact with a lot of the guys you know from you know say 15 years ago that like gary and those guys who were doing stuff or whether or not you know they've all sort of come around to this project and to, to try to help be part of it nurture it or do whatever have they
1: no, I mostly have been with the group of people that I started making the films with, and my whole drive was just to get this thing done and get to that first premiere and make sure that first premiere is good. Now that I've done that, I'm ready to branch out and do a bunch of things, and, you know, I need to make those contacts and start, try to start, you know, getting towards the, the word of mouth and the marketing and all that and, and get it going. But um, I... I, uh, I don't, outside of my core group of people, I mean, I know people like Bill Marine who did that It's Gonna Blow, and my buddy Jason Blackmore did that Records Collecting Dust thing, so Mm -hmm. I know documentary people, but I don't really know anybody that have made, uh, fiction movies, you know, so live action movies and stuff, so I mean, I, uh, I I I know of the guy kind of secondhand who did Spring and The Endless, um, but I I have you heard of those at all?
0: Uh, no. Uh, yeah, they, uh, I
1: got, I have this the DVD, but unfortunately it's in my car and I can't remember the guy's name right now. That's terrible of me. But um, Spring and Endless, and they're kind of Lovecraftian love stories, I guess. And um, so I uh, and Scott Mercado, who's from Manual Okay, mm-hmm. and he. He is the mechanic in the movie and he also did the soundtrack for those two movies
0: I mentioned Spring mm-hmm. and the Endless. So so there is there's a loose kind of group
1: but I have never I have never gotten with people and really schmoozed with the exception of last night um Randall Christopher, who made *The Driver Is Red*, which is a short, short film that uh, animated film that he does kind of a lot of uh, uh, ink wash mm-hmm. stuff, and it's it's amazing. It's about um, people who go and hunt down this Nazi in Argentina after World War Two. So it's kind of Assad guys that go down to Assad, the Israeli secret service, mm-hmm. and go and, and hunt down this guy in Argentina and figure out what bus he's taking and like kidnap him and get him back to thing. it's, it's super good. It won. All kinds of, of laurels, like a, 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 I, I mean, just ridiculous amounts of. I think Sundance. He won a best short film at Sundance.
0: What was the name of that one again?
1: Uh, the driver is red. Oh, that's cool. And I just talked to him last night for about two hours about you know film festivals and marketing and what you're supposed to have for film festivals and things like that. So I mean, I'm starting, I'm cracking the eggs of of getting the the network going that I need to have. But like I said, up until now, it's just been, get this thing done and get it shown. Yeah. I did that successfully and I'm stoked and now I need to put those
0: connections together. And honestly, and I I don't have any real organization here and you probably can tell, but um, that's kind of what I was getting at. You know, uh, I I look at the Casbah and I've done a lot of similar and parallel stuff myself and, you know, the Casbah is in fact a, a pretty wonderful ecosystem. And, and it's also a, a pretty wonderful incubator. And, you know, in, in companies that I think I shared this with Tim, like when we make these things, that's kind of more what we're hoping to do. The, the functionality of having bands come through. It, the, it has like a, this is our day job or our main objective or our core competency. But by the way, we would really like it if other stuff we hadn't thought of comes out of this. And I think what's going on with with um, your movie and your books and that has, has been probably one of their greatest rewards. I this is us, we incubated a thing and we didn't have anything to do with it. We didn't write that movie, we didn't shoot it. He put all of his energy into it, but when it came time to get it shown or find more venues or get more actors or whatever, the ecosystem that surrounds us probably provided some level of that, right? I never could
1: have done this without the Casbah. I seriously like every time I I needed to fill, like I, there's certain things I needed a hundred extras for, you know. Yeah. There's no way without the network that I created, the community that we have at the Casbah. There is no way that I could have filled that out. You right. know what I mean? I, I, even getting people off the streets saying, "Hey, be a part of the movie," you know. Most people say, "Like get away from me." You right. know what I mean? So, you know, but I had I had this uh, this this built in, uh, you know, kind of in house crowd that i could kind of like hey i really need a crowd i mean for the last one the 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 finale where i needed the biggest crowd there was only about 20 people there and we were supposed to start shooting in a half hour and i actually went on facebook and i was just like if i have ever done anything for you come to the casbah right now and an hour later we had 80 people there (laughs) and and it's just like boom and it really worked the community that that we built and, and the connections i've made really absolutely helped get this movie made aside from the fact that everyone in it is a musician right I mean, there's only two actual you know, there's like five or ten non-musicians in the whole film you right. know what i mean i was just like hey you look like you can act you want to act no yeah please okay just come for you i'll do it but you know and i mean I'd ask these people to dedicate two years of their lives and, you know i mean and, and i wouldn't have known a, a quarter of those
0: people without the casbah probably even less than them right right and you know it's it's well documented. There, There's just, uh, you know, that's 30 years of history, and there's a similar affinity for the belly-up guys where they're 40 years in, and, um, you know, and every town has a similar sort of story, if they have any luck at all. It's not, you know, it's been sort of, you know, you can go to Nashville, and you could try to find the Casbah, and you really won't. You know, there's one really long-lasting club called the Exit Inn. But um, they've uh, not had this enduring legacy, this enduring ecosystem. And it's pretty much a great way to picture what we're trying to preserve when we're trying to be sure that each one of these guys just sees the end of the pandemic so that they have a chance to go and fight another day. Because who knows what, like, other art form or what uh, other continuum is going to is, is going to branch out of you know these these things as they, they come out the other side So it's not just about like what band plays that day It's, it's just the, the larger point and all that and you probably are the best indication of that for san diego that there is right now and wow. you know you know i you know i that's great yeah. to hear somebody else so there um i guess there's some some Lucky attribution too, um, you know, all the hard work in the world, but, you know, you also, you know, I, I personally just, you know, I'm so busy doing what you do as well. Like, you know, putting on 250 shows a year and you, your free time element is kind of by the wayside a little bit. In 2019, I probably saw a grand total of 20 movies tops. In twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, I've probably seen two hundred. <laughs> you know, because Netflix is just there, and then you just have like a captive audience that doesn't have anything else to do. You in San Diego, the big joke is, you know, you have thirty nine things competing for your time. So you know, and no winter, so like you you know, there's no way. But here you are, and your your movie has come out and. You know, most of the time, this is the best, best example of swimming upstream that there is a, a little indie production, not in Hollywood, not going through that festival cycle, but now it's selling out drive ins and got a lot of undivided attention from people who are famous for having fractured attention. That's got to feel good. They, they've really looked at this thing as opposed to like looking at it while they're checking their watch.
1: Totally. The, I, I benefited. Like the work element you know I my, my kids out of school so I, I have to be available for that. So I mean the the work element was a little bit better because of, of the pandemic for me, the amount of time I could devote to it. But what really, really benefited from the pandemic, if there is was a, a silver lining to the pandemic for me personally, was that there was nothing else to do on January fourteenth and on February eleventh there's nothing else to do either. And so it's you know i mean i i worked hard to make it sell out but i was i was granted a huge benefit from the universe by there being nothing else at all to do you know in san diego which is known for like you say having a million things to do so i mean i'm not thankful for the pandemic but it sure helped flesh out the crowd
0: yeah so all right have you ever taken an acting class
1: i uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean high school, and then my first year of like kind of college. I didn't really go to college. I just took art and acting and music classes until they told me I had to take serious classes, and then I stopped going. So um, yeah. I just took I, I took an improv class. The last class I took of acting was in 1989. Okay, I mean so I took a couple growing
0: up. Go ahead. You know, it's just. But you, for instance, in your background though, you you've been the front guy for bands.
1: Right. Right. Even, but even even larger than that is my
0: mother's a professional actress. Oh, okay. So I mean, I was
1: always around. I mean, we were babysat by the, the the cat, the crew members of Little Mary Sunshine, while they she did it on stage growing up in Seattle. You know what I mean? Like we were. My brother and I were steeped in theater. My okay. My brother doesn't do acting or anything like that at all. I do. But um, it, but yes, being a front person and also making videos for my stuff, I always did things narrative based. So story has been very, very ingrained in everything I do. You know, I'm very much a storyteller first and foremost, even in the musical sense, not so much with drums, but I mean, even that I try to make more soundscapes when I play drums and and play like my parts, derivating a little bit, you know, make them more interesting than just a standard, you know, uh, 4-4 beat that's, uh, you know, acceptable. But um, I'm like i very much consider myself a story crafter, and it's all part of the same thing for me. You know, the music and the, and the writing and the movie—it's—it's it's story craft. It's all one thing.
0: So then, um, uh, had did you make Fanboy always based on the assumption that you were going to be the lead in it? Yes. And th- I, I,
1: I, I'm I like a path of least resistance guy, so when I cast things, I I, um, I would change the story to fit the character. I would try to change the, the character to fit the story and make people act because these weren't actors. Well, actually, right. Alberto Murado, the, the one guy who, who passed away a year ago, mm-hmm. he was the best actor in the whole thing, yeah, right. and, and it yeah, I just... Miss that guy terribly so do so many people, but he, you know, he was really so so his character wasn't really who he was at first. But I saw what he, you know, the kind of guy he was, he could have done anything. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the other people, um, it was like, okay, well this character's kinda of pigeonholed, I need to, but I'm gonna cast this person, so now it has to be kind of pigeonholed this way to, to play through the people's strengths because no one had any acting experience besides Alberto and my mom and Scott Nelson. Mm-hmm.
0: And the Mystic, the Circus Guy. And did you, um, and, but you had done a lot of this for Grant uh, for the smoking jacket films, right? Be- before this?
1: Yeah, we did uh, two films prior to Fanboy. We did a uh, uh, 20, uh, what, what was it called? A 72 hour film project or something where you have a weekend and they give you certain things uh, and yeah, you have to use in it, like plot devices and uh, one character and one prop and then you have to make a movie and then, and then show it. And, um, so we did that, and that went well, and then we did a 20-minute one called A Forest, which we filmed for about a year, and then he edited it up and did all that stuff. And then that's when we, we were wrapping A Forest, I always said, hey guys, what do we gotta do to make a feature-like movie? And Grant said, blah, 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 blah. casting, blah, 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 I have so many things, he laid out all these things, and I said, tell you what. You guys show up with those fancy cameras and set them up and I'll do everything else. I'll write it, I'll cast it, I'll produce it, I'll uh, direct it, I'll do all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, right. You know, and then I just said, well, okay, uh, you know, what, what, what do you want it to be about? Let's do it about music, right? I said, yeah, let's do that. So that, that that's how the whole thing started. I was doing the shorts and I just said, let's do a feature-length one. And that was five years ago now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind of. I know it's not the same thing, but just I, I, I've had that feeling a couple times in my life. One was, um, they're both the same thing. I graduated from college and then I graduated from grad school. And as I'm doing that, as I'm going through the process of graduating, I'm like, I am never doing this again. It's funny because I, I mean, obviously one I did it again because then I did the second one and felt the same way. But, like, just the whole process of being completely backed in, and my parents had already bought their flights, and they were coming for the graduation. I hadn't technically graduated yet. I had to do, like, these other 37 things just to, like, get across the finish line. I imagine that that's sort of the feeling of getting the movie done, but I wonder whether or not you feel that way. Do you think you're now going to just go make the next movie, and you're going to just start now? Oh, I have...
1: I have four elevator pitches for movies, plus what I really would like to have happen, honestly, is get one of those streaming services to make a, a, a series out of my three books, you know, a three-season series out of the Blood Silvers trilogy, right. you know, that that's what I would like to have happen, but I, barring that, yeah, I'm ready to rock and roll, I have, uh, you know, if it if, if Grant has the time, I'd love to do that. And if it's another crew, it's that's what I want to do. But I'm I'm ready to go. I mean, I kind of have a halfway cast of, of of each one of the four things. So whichever you know, somebody jumped on or whoever wanted to work with me felt like that was the best idea. We'd go with that. I like all four. So, but I, I really want to get that series going. Right. If we had if I had to, but that would be an incredibly difficult thing to to. To DIY because there's a, the, the magic aspect in my books. You know what I mean? Like doing, yeah. What am I gonna do? R- ribbons and a fan or something for the Yeah. You know, like they just like what? How would how would you pull that off without a budget? So that that kind of needs a budget. I could do zero budget films, which the ones I have written are basically zero budget kind of front thrillers like this.
0: Yeah, the the medium, the the subject of the books, is really good for books. <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> it, it's a, uh, but it, it doesn't, it has, uh, with Harry Potter sort of aside, it hasn't made the, the transfer uh, as well as one might hope. But maybe you'll be the first. And I do agree with you that um the way that the, like Mandalorian style, so eight episode seasons are just sort of the way of the future. That's now how good things make it to screen as opposed to a two hour film. And uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it would be definitely a great way to go and explore and, do all all of that sort of thing so does that mean that you're going to uh start hitting a lot of hollywood parties in the hollywood hills and trying to talk about your reel and dressing up and you know having a having a facilitator go with you to parties to introduce you to people are you going to start that process now
1: i have Thought about that, but if that's the core, if that's the route that it avails itself to me, then why not, man? I wanna, to I live all kinds of aspects of life, for sure. But uh, I mean, I'm not gonna change the fundamental core of who I am, which is still, a, you know, a punk rock DIY guy from way back in the day. So I mean, I'm already 50 years old. It's not like I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, be too to jet city or whatever. But yeah, I mean, if uh, if I get if I get the opportunity to to, to to
0: rub elbows at some of those things, and heck yeah, I'll do that. I mean, um, Eric Howarth definitely had that phase. He was down here, he started M Theory, and then he went up and he started working at Roll Call or some version of that record label with Rob Abelow, and he did an L.A. run. So he probably has a pretty good Rolodex, and I know he's got a really good selection of Blazers. So you could probably um, (laughs) kill two birds with one stone and have him just sort of be your facilitator and take you to four or five parties You get your reel out there. And uh, who knows.
1: All right. <laughs> hey, I'm just gonna hit him up to I get off
0: too. Yeah, you know, no, I definitely I, that's one of the things I definitely picked up on. But you know, um that's probably a great way for us to sort of, you know there's a lot of people, like for instance, it's not just the Casbah scene. What, what the thing I always recognize when I go to the soda bar is uh, I feel incrementally older there than I do at Casbah and then incrementally older at belly up than I do at Casbah, you know, and, and just, it just, there's a sort of a stereotypical age. There's written about in the New York times about the stereotypical age at the belly up is about 67 now, you know, it's, it's real, it's a real thing. But so then there's this, these guys at, at soda and, you know, I know a lot of them because of the work I do, but the, you know they're 25, and some of them have got to be thinking about doing this. Some of them have got to be thinking about, do I start finding a guy with cameras and doing it? If you had advice to those guys, guys who think that you know they might be in bands, they might work at bars, they might do have a day job, they might do whatever, but what they really want to do is get a movie going. What would you tell them?
1: I tell them whatever you got to do to make that happen, start right now, start yesterday, get it going, do it, get a crew together, get people, hype them up. Be that rah-rah guy. If you don't have the camera skills like me, I don't. Just be that rah-rah guy. Get people together. Give them a vision. Get your vision honed. Get it sharp. Get it ready to rock and roll and to pierce into the soul of the world. Like, get going now. That's what I... That, the biggest advice I do is just do the grind. Do the work. Start it now. Yeah. That's I, the best advice I could
0: give anybody. I know. It's it's the fire and brimstone. and I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. It, it, I... I get super frustrated, you know talking to kids, but that's me you know i you you want to get it instilled in people and they gotta hear they gotta hear the sort of how important it is um cool but, it, i I hope this uh, makes sense to you it makes sense to me I just want to sort of I wanted to tie a couple of things together, but basically I'd seen a couple of things I went to see the movie and I enjoyed it very much I was caught by surprise by the ending um. I loved how um, it, it it veered off of its predictability, not just the storyline, but veered off its predictability about every seven and a half minutes, which, you know, it'll make anyone happy, you know, because the second you start being able to predict everything, I saw a movie that had a lot more money behind it the very next night, and I was never more than three minutes behind in predicting what was going to happen next, you know, and... Um, You know, so those are the kinds of things that just me personally, we're all human beings. You just lose interest. Ah, you know what's going to happen. You know, and then the way that one mapped out, you know, that you sort of have to go into whatever you do next and say, well, I'm not going to let him fool me again.
1: (laughs) I know, I got that, the the Sixth Sense M. Night Shyamalan. (laughs) Yeah. Treatment like, like you twisted me once, now you never twist me again. Yeah,
0: exactly. But, uh,
1: yeah, no, I feel you. I, I gotta, I gotta put on my uh, my thinking cap, to get ahead of people again. So, yeah, but, you know, I that's something I like. I enjoy, you know, puzzles and, and 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 problem solving and all that sort of stuff. Like, and I'm ready to roll in my sleeves and do the work. And and that and that means like getting it honed and crafted as well as I possibly can with the resources available, which I don't have the best resources available, so I have to have the best thinking cap on, you know what I mean, I have to stay, I have to, you know, stay one step ahead of myself even, you know, and, and get, and, and and just, it's when it's good enough, it's not good enough, it has to be a little bit better than good enough, you know, it has to be better, it has to be something where it's like, I'm not going to spend five years of my life and then have something be kind of... Yeah, well, that was okay for a friend of mine. You know what I mean? Like, it's not even worth it at that point.
0: You have to, you, have to, you know, sow your legacy and you have to do it right. So then that, I, my last question, I swear this will really be my last question. Um, the, uh, oh, I mean, I can talk all day. <laughs> that, uh, so, so there you were down in uh, Imperial Beach and, uh, you know, it couldn't possibly be more of an outlier experience. No one's been in a drive-in. No one's seen each other. They're in cars. Uh, it's there, there's the whole pandemic thing. Um, you know, I talked to I talked to Tim about this this morning. As a matter of fact, um, you know, just uh, just with Tim. Like I saw him. He was there. He was uh, at the events. Um, and I said to him, I'm like, yeah, so people are coming up to you. What do you do? Do you say, man, I've really missed you, and it's great to see you, or do you say, would you mind please getting back in your car? <laughs> you know, and uh, but is point being you actually got a chance to do something that a lot of filmmakers don't get a chance to you got a chance to sort of walk around your audience and actually make some eye contact and see some sort of reaction stuff and it's mainly because they weren't all in rows in a theater they were in their cars and i i was looking at it and the cars were these crazy aquariums they had like craft cocktails going and there were the pot cars and there were the you know cars where there was only one creepy person in them and you know you know you, you had the whole thing so you got a chance to see some like real reaction what did you get out of that
1: i mean it was i was just catching my breath all night from just the sheer exhilaration of the experience you know i mean i kind of i kind of messed with myself a little bit because there was only a half hour in between showing to get 270 cars out of there and get 270 cars back in somehow pulled that off but you know right when it was about time for that I was just like I this this sense of calm just washed over me and I was just like wow this is everything I thought it could possibly be you know what I mean I I because when I first got I, I had to talk the guy into the drive-in into doing it in the first place you know I mean I had to I knew it was a lot of grind, a lot of legwork. Everyone's like, oh, wow, that's cool. We can show our movies at the drive-in. I was like, yeah, good luck with that. It is not that easy. So, and, But it was originally just for the 180-car screen. And I sold that out in a day and went back to the guy and then got the 90-car screen and sold that out in a, a day. Like so It was like 10 hours and six hours or something. And he was just like, oh, okay. I guess we have something here, you know? And then, it, it, but to, to, to answer your question, the feeling of that night was just. I was on cloud nine, you know, and just that excitement where you just like almost get free. Like, you know, when you're six years old at Christmas, you know? I mean, that it was like that. It was like everything. It made the five-year grind and editing it myself when I didn't know how to edit it, and doing all the Foley sound and I didn't know how to do that, placing every single footstep sound down when somebody's foot touches the ground or even is implied to touch the ground in the movie. It made all of that grinding, grinding minutiae. Totally worth it, you know. In one night, just washed all that away, and it came close to paying for my production costs. Because I mean, it was a low, low, low budget film, and then, yeah, you know, to sell out of four screens, like, got me pretty close to the neighborhood. And this next sellout, make up so I almost broke even. So, you know, I mean, breaking even on a feature like film when nobody knows who you are and you never even made a film before and you don't even know how to operate a camera—that's I mean, no mean feat for a raw, raw
0: guy. Yeah. No kidding. It makes me into a liar because now I have another question. Um, (laughs) uh, Did you go to uh, It's Gonna Blow, the the premiere at Ken?
1: No, I didn't. I didn't even know Bill Green at that time. And I didn't even. uh, I think when that was playing,
0: I was still drinking, which I quit drinking about 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was
1: drinking, I wasn't as uh, dialed into the community as I should have been yeah not, so, so you know that's a long time so maybe i didn't I, I did not see it then i
0: saw it on, on dvd uh, I, I, maybe maybe i didn't go to the premiere then i i thought i went to the premiere i went with lou and you know so the, he he knows all this stuff i know what you're, th- know what you're thinking of are you thinking of bug? no 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 definitely definitely it's gonna blow i remember because they the, the audience hissed at the blink 182 part i'll never forget it <laughs> but um the so anyway my point is um that thing didn't sell out. It was at the Kin. There was 200 people there. But it was, you know, it was like selling 100 tickets to a touring band at the Casbah, like a half a, half a hall kind of thing. Not that it, the movie's great. I just If you ever wanted to have more concrete evidence of what you've accomplished, that's that. Because, you know, they had way more, you know, press because of its infusion with the music scene and Rolling Stone and all that stuff. And, you know, a lot of that stuff doesn't even exist for you right now. Like, who knows if the reader has any impact whatsoever right this second? Because I don't think it does, you know, Inc- included in city beat. Who knows who writes for the city beat anymore? Because I don't think anyone does. So like, this is all literally done off of uh, social media and then the ability of your day job to sell tickets, uh, you know, and have goods, have something good to sell that they really get into. And then obviously Rosie and that kind of thing, you know, but that whole ecosystem sort of comes back into play because that's the two pictures. There's your, your A, B, if you will. A is go and just do it in regular times at the Ken and get 200 people. And B is you're going to do a second sold-out screening at South Bay. I think I met that guy. I think uh, they, I think I saw that guy that you're talking about that was kind of, I don't know if we're going to do this or not. I think he's the guy who decided to move them from three lanes to two. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> no but anyway just it's it's a fantastic achievement it also benefits uh, just crazy in a crazy method from a couple of key facets one of them is really important to the the venue association and that, that we hope that there's ecosystems forever and another part is just the pandemic made everyone really really need to pay attention sort of like ant in the magnifying glass and i hope it leads you somewhere i hope it leads you to four more movies and three miniseries hell yeah thanks
1: buddy hey you know it was it was it was cool because uh it, uh, you know, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, I just uh, the the fact. Oh, there we go. um One thing that really propped me up is not only did people appreciate it and and like it, but there's a bunch of people who bought tickets for the second one that already saw it before. Right. You know what I mean? So I already have people that want to see the movie twice, and it's like I don't know about you, but when I go to see a movie. I rarely want to see a movie again. You know what I mean? And 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 I'm not saying my movie's better than other ones, but it's like it caught that 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 kind of zeitgeist where it, the people what they were really missing and seeing the inside of these clubs and that and everything and just tapped into kind of that that primal thing that we're totally missing, like your club and our club and soda bar and all those guys and and uh, you know I just that was a huge testament when people were like, I'm going again, and I was just like, wow. Oh,
0: going again That's oh you might have the, some elements of the rocky horror going yeah
1: cold classic i'll take it buddy all right
0: hey um I, everything i said i really meant uh, i really had a great time i'm glad i got to go see it i tried to pay they wouldn't take my money i got 15 bucks for you or a beer whenever i see you all
1: right, you're
0: all good uh and you know i will um get as much of this interview transferred to a couple of different mediums as possible, and I'll try to do some introductions. I think some of the other guys that I'm working with in the state at least should probably take a crack at this, and uh, I think they'd really they'd see a lot of the same stuff um, that we've seen down here.
1: Right. Hey, you feel free to pass my information on to anybody, and feel free to pass anybody else's information on to me, and I'll hit them up.
0: <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I hope you have a great rest of the day.
1: You too, Joe. Thank you so much.
0: I All appreciate right. it. No problem.